You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hour two on this Tuesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Now that the last dance is over, everybody's wondering what's the next great sports documentary. Saw one on Bruce Lee that's coming up on the mothership. Lance Armstrong, that one's coming up. I don't know, is there another one with Michael Jordan and the Bulls? The Wizards years? I'm, I'm up for that as well. You know, Tiger Woods, maybe the New England Patriots, maybe Le- LeBron James, maybe the Golden State Warriors. How about a college team? How about the uh, UConn women's basketball team? Alabama football. But you need characters. You know, Jordan was a character. I mean, he, he was this tour de force, but there was a lot attached to him. And the way players reacted, fans reacted, teammates reacted. You know, Dennis Rodman, you throw him in there. Phil Jackson in there. Jerry Krause in there. Any great story. If you watch a, a show on Netflix, you're going to have a lot of different characters. You're going to have the main character. You have the side stories. And then the side stories are interwoven with the star. I mean, Better Call Saul, I'm watching that now. The side stories and how they intersect with Better Call Saul. Breaking Bad, the same thing. You had stories on the periphery, but they would eventually get to Walter White. That's what you have with the documentary. You got Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan and Jerry Krause. Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, Phil Jackson's in here. There were so many different pieces. Isaiah Thomas is in this. That's what you need with a great documentary. The Patriots don't have that. You know, it's a dynasty, but you don't have anything there. San Antonio Spurs, you don't have any drama there. You need tension. You need drama. You don't have that. UConn women, I think Gino Oriema and the way he coached, he had some personalities there. It might be a niche documentary, but you might have something there. You know, it started with Rebecca Lobo, Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, Maya Moore. Like, you had some really great players, but did you have tension? Did you have drama? It felt like you had drama when they started to lose. When you lose to Mississippi State or lose to Notre Dame or you lose to Baylor, that's when you get something interesting here. Golden State Warriors, that last year, absolutely. If you were looking for something that would be close to the last dance, that would have been really interesting. Draymond and Durant. Draymond reaches out to Durant reportedly after they lose the previous year. We need you. Or the two, you know, it was uh, two years prior. We need you. And you recruit him. The Hamptons Five. You recruit him. You get him there. You win. You're great. And then all of a sudden it starts to fall apart. And then Draymond and Durant go at one another. You know, Steph Curry's role. How do they feel about Durant? Then you had Clay Thompson getting injured, Durant getting injured, and then it falls apart. That would be interesting there. Alabama football? You're not going to get anything out of Nick Saban. Would, you, would he allow his players, would his players feel like former players that they could talk about him? And the answer is no. Even former players. They're... They're cautious in, you know, they measure their words when they talk about Nick Saban. But I don't know if we're going to have anything like the last dance. Not anytime soon. You know, Lance Armstrong's story's been told. Bruce Lee is going to have a whole new audience there. And, you know, there were probably some stories that we haven't heard about Bruce Lee. But it feels like with Lance Armstrong, unless this is about Lance today 
and what has happened since he, his fall from grace. All right. I, I'll watch it. Bruce Lee, I'll watch. I was always fascinated with Bruce Lee. I was fascinated because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar loved Bruce Lee. And I think he was trying to understand what Bruce Lee did. And, you know, sort of that magic of, you know, him at that size and how brilliant he was at his craft. But I'll watch that one as well. I just don't know if we're going to have a a documentary that's going to be anywhere near what we saw. O.J. Simpson, I don't know if we'll ever have something like, I hope we don't have something like that. But how that was told and the fact that you had the the Bronco chase and, and there was so much involved in it. So many people and his legal team and everything that happened with that and the ramifications of that, the outrage after that. I don't know if you're going to be able to have any kind of emotion from a documentary that would come anywhere near that. And then with the, the Jordan documentary, I can't imagine that LeBron could put out a documentary unless it was when he went back to Cleveland and they won the title that year. But even then... What kind of drama do I have? Tension. You know, maybe you could say that he didn't like his coaches or he didn't like the owner. Okay. That's not enough. The owner was a big problem there for LeBron. I just don't know if you're going to get that. Like, was LeBron making fun of him the way Michael Jordan was Jerry Krause? Maybe. And if you have that, great. But I can't imagine that if you're looking at gold, Golden State would have worked for me. Because of Durant and Draymond. Patriots, nobody's going to talk. Yes, Todd. Not only do you need the story and the characters, you also need the access. We hear about how Jordan let them in on all that for a, a full year, and they got all kinds of stuff. Without that kind of access, I don't know what access in LeBron's career was allowed over these past few years. You've got to have that. Or I don't care how great the story is if you're not getting really up and close to what's being said behind closed doors or in a huddle. Yeah, McLovin. I think the decision would be a great documentary. I, we were, I think that you might be a little too close to it, but in 20 years to young fans, everything that led up to that and everything that happened afterwards, taking my talents to South Beach, will make an amazing documentary. I think like the be, details. Yeah, I think behind the scenes leading up to that night when LeBron sat down with Jim Gray because of the speculation of he was doing it in Greenwich, Connecticut. And people thought, well, the location of this means he's going to the New York Knicks. And I, I remember it, it was almost minute by minute that people had a different opinion of where LeBron James was going. They had it all figured out. And then I remember Stephen A. Smith said, he's going to Miami. And people went, what? He said, I'm hearing that he's going to Miami. Now, he didn't say I'm reporting it. He goes, I'm hearing. And uh, he heard correctly. But that might be interesting leading up to it. I'm trying to think, you know, you have to have the video there. And it feels like anybody who's going to do a behind the scenes documentary is going to do it the way we do reality TV now. And it's not really real. You know, the, the real housewives of New Jersey or New York City or Orange County or whatever, it's not real. They stage it. They tell you, hey, we're going to shoot this. You're going to be angry at her. You're going to throw something. You're going to do this. You hate her. She hates you. And then uh, ready? Let's go. That's not reality TV. The great TV is when you don't, you forget the cameras are rolling. And you got that feeling in the last dance that 
Jordan was just going to, he knew that this was being filmed, but he also knew this may never see the light of day. And I think that's the difference there. When you get them to forget the camera is there is when you get real. I just sound like Dr. Phil. You get real. Yes, Paul. If you could do a Tiger Woods documentary where it goes back to his last major, I think it was 08 when everything went haywire and it focused on that point of time mm. where was it Chris DeMarco he was going against and Rocco mediating those guys and he had a, a couple great battles with a knee injury and then he had the Thanksgiving night and all the different things. He, he would never allow you. Correct. Now he wouldn't. But I wonder if years down the road or some way. And again, we're not going to have video and audio of that. Those things that went on. But that would be one that I think people would tune into. Oh, I would, but he's so closed off. He's more open now than he ever was, and he's still closed off. Back then, you know, the stories that were circulating about Tiger, would he talk about that Thanksgiving night? Would he talk about the car accident? Would he talk about his... I mean, that's what you would want, but you're not going to get that with Tiger. You know, if there was a film crew with the surgery and the rehab and all of that and the comeback and... You know, there's a lot there with Tiger Woods. You know, we when he's uh, taking pills and he's uh, pulled over by the police, he's asleep behind the wheel. You know, the, we forget about all of these things with Tiger because we now look at Tiger and go, yeah, he made it through to the other side. Back then, we weren't quite sure if he'd ever play again, let alone win. And that seems like it was such a long time ago that that happened. And it's not. Yeah, Paul. It, it would be fascinating from a structure standpoint if you focused on three different wins from Tiger Woods. His first Masters, his first major in 97, then the 2008 U.S. Open in the playoff against Mediate, and then the 2019 Masters. Use those as the three focal points and then do the backstory of everything else that happened around it in between those things. And even that could be, that'd be easy to do. Well, <laughs> not easy to do. Easy to structure. Yes. Hard to get yes. access. Yes, because you have to have Tiger going, oh, hey, let me sit down and talk about that Thanksgiving night when I was caught texting somebody else. Yeah, mm. that ain't happening. <laughs> Jordan at least addressed the gambling rumors. He addressed and talked about his father's murder. He talked about, you know, the food poisoning. These are the story, the baseball uh, career, why he left. He at least touched on those. Now, did he go as deep as we wanted? Probably not. But, you know, to his credit, he had to answer these if you're going to do a documentary. Tiger's not going to answer those. He's just not. Fritzy, call for Tiger and see if he'll join us to talk about this. Okay. <laughs> do you remember when we had a producer at the mothership? Oh, uh, here we go. When he came in that day when we were doing our rundown for our show? And, and, and I... I, I'm thinking that they had sort of a, a management spy that was just keeping an eye on our show. And uh, he would come in and just monitor what was being said. And he didn't really offer much. And he was a nice guy. But he, he, he said, would you guys, we were talking about Tiger Woods. And he goes, would you guys have Tiger Woods on? And, I, and we all stopped. It's one of those where the meeting goes, what? Would you have Tiger Woods on? And I went, oh, my God. Just sit here and just monitor, eavesdrop on our meeting. Don't don't offer up anything. Yeah, Paul. Uh, in in the same vein, we had a show once where Fritzy just crushed it. I think we had Peyton Manning and Tiger Woods on the same show. I'm not kidding. And on, on the same show, those were our two guests. And I sent out a, a show <laughs> recap note to all the people and management at uh, the mothership. And 99 percent of them were cool. 
But this one guy sent a note back and corrected something I spelled wrong in my uh, show recap note. Instead of saying, hey, good job by you and the team getting Fritzy, <laughs> getting Tiger Woods and Peyton Manning on the same show. And I remember looking at it, and I almost went uh, crazy. And I just said, i got to go take a walk. And I think he used purple for one of the names when they preferred green for the, uh, for the colors. No, Paulie got in trouble because his, his show notes weren't professional. They were just show notes. Yeah, the show was good. The show yeah. notes weren't. Yeah, the show was professional. The show notes weren't. <laughs> like the recap for management to read and... Uh, Holly got in trouble there. Uh, we're all worked out. Got in trouble. Yes. Yes. Adrian Wojnarowski was on in the first hour. And whenever I have Woj on, Woj doesn't talk in speculation, hypotheticals. Woj deals with details. And he's got information. And that's why when I ask him about what kind of scenario do you see with this NBA season and are we playing and where are we playing basketball games when and if the NBA comes back? He, here's Adrian Wojnarowski. Now, when you're talking about site or sites, are we talking about Vegas, Orlando? Uh, are those the two sites that are in uh, conversations? That's right, Dan. And uh, Orlando has had a, a lot of traction. And uh, I, I think the question is going to be, um, you know, are they going to put all the teams in one place? Are they going to perhaps have – teams moving um, among two sites based on an Eastern Western conference scenario. But uh, the one thing Adam Silver has told the players and told the owners, what he doesn't want are teams flying around. You're not going to see what baseball's proposing, which Mm -hmm. is teams moving around playing in home stadiums. The NBA is focused on a one site, no fans. uh, And then they're going to deal with, trying to get back into arenas again, buildings again, for the start of next season. Okay. Now, let's unpack that. He's saying that Orlando sounds like it's going to be the the center of this. You got Disney headquarters, and you're going to be able to get all your teams down there. Are you going to get all the teams, including the teams that are on the outside of the playoffs looking in? Or is that going to be, we're just going to start the playoffs there? What I think could happen, and Woj alluded to this, you might have Vegas for the West Coast teams and Orlando for the East Coast teams. And the NBA hasn't been talking about anything, which I think is a positive sign, and Woj agreed with me. We haven't heard anything. There's no leaks. Like Major League Baseball, somebody leaks this to the media. Anything they talk about, what they had for lunch gets leaked to the media. NBA, Woj said the commissioner is not even sharing this with the owners right now because you don't want this to get out. You don't want to create this speculation period again that we've already had. Because remember, he was talking about May 1st, and then it was May 8th, and I said, you can't do that because this this is changing daily. California, their governor just said, we're basically open for business with sports. A week ago, we were going to extend this for three months, the uh, you know, stay at home. It's, it's, it's happening in real time, and the commissioner of the NBA is doing the right thing. Don't say anything. Get your plan. You got one shot to make it work, and work on that. And, you know, you have the infrastructure there to make it work in Orlando and or Vegas, then maybe you have an NBA season. Maybe. 
You have maybe five games regular season. It takes two weeks for them to get ready, and then it'll be five games regular season, and then that allows you to go into the postseason. Uh, a couple of phone calls here. We'll take a break. We'll explore what baseball is doing, trying to do, and is it really possible? Uh, Adam in West Virginia. Hi, Adam. What do you have for me? Hey, DP. How you doing? Hi, bud. Hey, 5'10", very soft, 230, uh, Corona body here. Been stuck at home for a couple weeks, uh, two-and-a-half-year-old, pregnant wife. It's been interesting. (laughs) But uh, I got a suggestion for you on the next documentary. Okay. Phil Jackson years with the Lakers. uh, That could be entertaining, absolutely. And good luck there, Adam, with uh, the two-and-a-half-year-old and and, uh, mom being pregnant there. Um you don't have Kobe. Now, if you have some things that you could... Yeah, I don't know how that works. You know, if you're going to do a documentary, and, you know, if Phil and Shaq are going to say things, you got players that, uh, you know, played with the team. It, it could be interesting. I don't know how delicate that is to do a documentary and Kobe's not alive to talk about it. But... And I also have some football teams that I do think would make for a great documentary. I'll bring that to your attention coming up. More phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address, dp at danpatrick.com. Sean Casey, baseball analyst for MLB, will join us uh, coming up. Mike Florio, next hour, you have some NFL facilities opening up. Is it fair to the other NFL teams that can't? We'll talk to Florio about that. It's uh, 18 after the hour. This is the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Talk to UCLA head coach Chip Kelly tomorrow. Colts head coach Frank Reich will join us on the program as well. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe. Life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any interviews from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the DP Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. By the way, I teased this last hour. And, of course, with my limited memory, I forgot that I teased this. LeBron James played high school football. I don't think he played his senior year, but uh, his junior year, and he was All-State, of course, as a wide receiver. He wore number nine. Anybody want to guess why LeBron James wore number nine when he played football? I'll give you a thousand guesses. Yes, Paulie? Uh, Is it something Cincinnati Bengals related? No. Oh. It's college football related. I'll even give you the conference, ACC. Uh, Number nine was a player in the ACC that he liked? Yes. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to give you the school. I think you might get it. Florida State. Peter Work? Yes. Wow, that's niche. (laughs) That is niche. And Peter Warwick was a heck of a player. Yeah, he was. And LeBron loved Peter Warwick, and he wore number nine because of him when he played high school football there. 
Uh, speaking of Ohio, this guy raked in Ohio. He's Sean Casey, former Major League Baseball All-Star, MLB Network analyst, three-time All-Star, wearing a Smedium here. He's a member of the Cincinnati Reds <laughs> Hall of Fame. What are you doing with the T-shirt there? Wait a minute. I'm just so jacked, Dan. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's an it's an XL. What does it look like a Smedium here? It does. <laughs> give me give me a double gun. Give me both you want, both you barrels. Want a double gun? <laughs> both barrels. Double barrel, Whoa. baby. I gotta, get, Whoa. I gotta get these things licensed. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been tested uh, any lately, Sean? <laughs> well, you know what, Dan? I thought I'd get in shape after I was done. <laughs> <laughs> you are still as slow as you were when you played, right? Uh, I'm slower than I was and in better shape. It's, it's, it's just crazy. It's crazy. All right. Uh, help me understand Major League Baseball. It feels like anything that's said at the home office is leaked to the media here. There's no secrets here with Major League Baseball. So what, what do you think is the best case scenario here for Major League Baseball? Wow, this is yeah, you're right. I don't think there are any secrets. Seems like there's no secrets anymore in life. You know what I mean? <laughs> but uh you know, I, I think the best case scenario is hopefully, uh, you know, baseball, you know, that, that they, they find a way to maybe get some games this year. I just I just feel like it would be great for everybody. But I do understand both sides, Dan, obviously coming from the player's point of view. But I do know I do know Rob Manfred is is one of the smartest guys out there. Tony Bettini, who's right next to him. You know, those guys that are that are running baseball are, 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 are so smart. They'll, they'll leave no stone unturned. Tony Clark over there with the, with the lawyers that they have with the union, with the players, you know, trying to figure this out. I do know that, you know, they will, they will, they will try and come to a conclusion that's good for everybody. That's good for the fans of baseball. That's good for the players and the owners. And th we're just an uncharted territory. So some of the things that maybe, you know, flew in the past, maybe won't now. And it's just some of the, some of the things that, that the players have to do too, to be able to go and play. I think, they definitely need to be evaluated, but I think that, that, that both sides will figure it out, hopefully. Would you play baseball if you were still on a roster? You're asking me personally? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would. I'm just trying to understand, you know, the risk with this, obviously the rewards, and then you hear Blake Snell of uh, the Rays saying, I, it's not enough money for me to come back and play. Can you see the haves and the have-nots? that you know are, are big t big ticket item guys not going to come back or you know the guys who have less money and and as much to you know, like the league minimum like yeah can you see where one or the other is going to say it's not worth me coming back i can see you know both side both point of points of view there's i i think one thing with you know when you think about mike trout talking about he's, he's about to have a kid and and, you know, what if he's quarantined and, you know, those kind of things. Those are real things. You know, and obviously, you know, Dan, over the years with, with the money back and forth, I mean, obviously, you know, both sides are going to fight with they, with, for, for their rights, which is that's what it should be. And I think that's, that's fair. Um, but I do think, you know, player safety and, and stuff like that with families and all, all that, you know, definitely comes into account. Um, but I think the teams will get together and, and figure out, you know, what's best for the, what's best for each team. But I do understand the point of view of, uh, of guys that, uh, you know, safety for their families and stuff. Cause I, I no one knows, just no one knows, but I do think what they say, there's going to be 10,000 tests a week and that, and that each, each, each player, you know, and if you do get it, you will be quarantined and, so I don't know, you know, I, I, they're trying to do the best they can with what they have. Yeah. But they're talking about, you're not allowed to spit. 
And what happens? You're a first baseman. <laughs> Are you holding somebody on first base, and then you can't have social distancing at first base, John? Well, I, that's crazy. I was just uh, talking to somebody this morning about that, and it reminded me of the story. I think I might have even told it on the, on your show at one point when you know social distancing. So what happens? Does the guy get his his five, his uh, four foot five foot lead off, and then? Are you allowed to pick over? And I, I still remember – I remember I was social distancing with Henry Rodriguez my first year in the big leagues when, you know, back in the day when, you know, O. Henry, when he would homer in Montreal, they'd throw those O. Henry bars in yeah. the field. And I remember him getting off first, and I was like my second week in the big leagues. I'm all excited, and we're social distancing. He's about six feet away, and I say to him, hey, Henry, I really love it when they throw those O. Henry bars onto the field. And he turned to me – and said, hey, thanks a lot, man. And right when he turned, Ron Valone stepped over, poop, pick up, picked over. I, I caught it, and I said, oh, man, I'm, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea he was going to pick over. I thought we were just social I thought we were just social distancing 22 years early. <laughs> I, 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 this, it, it just, there's a lot of questions. When they say you can't spit, I, I don't, can guys do that? I don't know. Have you ever been into a, into a big league dugout after the game when you yes. look down? You look, it looks like a murder scene. You're like, what happened here? There's, there's dip spit. There's sunflower seed spit. There's freaking spit everywhere. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, we need DNA tests to see what just happened here. So I can't imagine big leaguers could go a whole game not spit. Imagine when they say you can't adjust yourself either. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much, there's so much to unpack here, but that's going to be a tough one. You adjust yourself twice already during this interview here. Exactly. I'm just in my shirt. You got me. You're in my head about the medium comment. I'm a, I'm an absolute mess right now. Uh, you got a picture behind you. Is that Doc Gooden and Strawberry? Oh, yeah. And is Mike Tyson? Oh yeah, Mike Tyson, Strawberry, and Gooden. How about that? And then I got Jim Leland and my son this year at the All at the uh, World Series. But that Tyson, Gooden, and Strawberry one. That's that's a classic. Wait, wait. How did you get that? I was at the Bat Awards um, uh, baseball assistant team in New York a couple years ago. And this is an unbelievable story, Dan. We, we were, you know, I go to the Bat Awards. I was in town for the network. And it turns out there was like the snow. I can't remember what it was, five, six years ago. There was that humongous snowstorm that hit New York. Yep. And no one, came to, no one came to the Bat Awards but me and like a couple other people. And they had all these unbelievable items, and I just start bidding on everything, and uh, that one, and that was one of them. And then the other one was this one. How about this one right here? Okay. This one right. This one right here is unbelievable. Right. Wait, can you see it? Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Can you guys see that? Yeah, yeah. Joe DiMaggio, and Marilyn Monroe, and two signed checks from them. And I got that. I got that there too. So I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for that bad event because I got some unbelievable items. But Joe Joe DiMaggio, and Marilyn Monroe signed checks are in my house too. Is that the best memorabilia you have? I think that the Joe DiMaggio, Marilyn Monroe thing might be the best. And I remember there was three guys at the event and they were all hovered around bidding on it. And I was like, I'm getting this thing. I am getting this. I am getting Joe DiMaggio, Marilyn Monroe in my house. <laughs> Great to talk to you. You must be driving the wife crazy. All your no, energy. To, I'm going, I'm driving everybody crazy. I'm driving everybody crazy. My, my 14 year old daughter, I don't know if you have any, my, uh, my teenage daughter's like, all right, you're one of the most annoying human beings alive. Please stop talking to me. <laughs> I have three daughters and they're yeah. in their twenties. I've been yeah. there where you're the, you're the, you're the dumbest guy on the planet. 
I'm so dumb. It's unbelievable. I, I'll go and talk to her. She's like, oh, my gosh, you're so dumb. She plays guitar, Dan. So I've, I've been having my guitar out, like, you know, just whipping a couple tunes. And I'm like, hey, let's play a little Every Rose Has Its Thorn and sing along. She's like, oh, you're such a loser. You're let me, let me loser, hear a little man. bit. Let me hear a little bit. Oh, you want to hear? All right. This yes, is the only song uh, I really know. This is uh, Sean Casey, former baseball I've never played. I've never played nationally, but I'm terrible. Uh, MLB Network analyst. Wait. Okay. See? Well, yeah, here we go. Here you go, Dan. I changed the court. Every rose has its thorn. I don't know. I, I do the best I can. I do the best I can, bro. It just, you know, that's why my that's why my daughter thinks I stink right there because that's all I got. All I got is that. Oh, it's great to talk to you. All right. Uh, we'll get some baseball here one of these days. Thank you, Sean. Great to check in with you. All right, Dan. Great talking to you, bro. See you guys soon. Tell your, tell your, tell your boys hi, too. All right. Sean Casey. He's uh, in the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. Oh, boy. He's got a lot of energy. When we would do the studio show in New York and Sean would come in and he would leave in a full sweat, a full lather. Always had stories. Oh, great sense of humor. That He was known as the mayor. I mean, every the players loved Sean Casey. Sean Casey. Great teammate there. Uh, a couple of phone calls here. Uh, Craig in Pittsburgh joins us. Hey, Craig, what do you have for me today? Yeah, I was just calling with another idea for a, a sports documentary like The Last Dance. I'd love to see one highlighting the MLB cocaine scandal of the 80s that stemmed out of Pittsburgh. I think it would be interesting, but you have to get people to talk, uh, Craig. And thanks for the phone call. You have to get the principals to talk about this. And I don't know how many of former players are going to be willing to talk about that. Because let's say you were involved in that. You want that. You want to move on from that. You don't want that to be attached to your name. And there were some marquee players who were involved in that. And most of those players have moved on without people bringing that up when you mention their names. Here's a couple of football ones. I saw this on CBS Sports. The Cowboys of the 90s would be awesome. You got Jimmy and you got Jerry. You got Michael Irvin. Uh, when Dion came to town, Emmett, that to me would be awesome. Just to have that... Jimmy Jerry friction that was going on there and who was getting the credit. I remember uh, Skip Bayless wrote a, a book about the Cowboys back in the 90s. And then Barry Switzer comes in. And then Barry Switzer wins a title with uh, Jimmy Johnson's players. Um, you know, they mentioned the Patriots, modern day Patriots. I don't know what you were going to get there. You know, maybe the Brady Garoppolo dynamic. Um, but I can't see much there. I think it's, we look at great teams and then you go, boy, it'd be great if they did a documentary. The San Antonio Spurs would not be a great documentary. Great team, dynasty, not a great documentary. Uh, Steelers of the 70s, absolutely. You got Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw and the friction between those two. You had Mean Joe Green who came in and single-handedly was turning around a franchise. They had Chuck Knoll there, but Mean Joe Green came in and you had the best defensive player in football. And you had an attitude, a persona. When you look back on the history of the NFL, I don't think that you can overstate Mean Joe Green's importance to the game. He nearly quit. He was walking out. He was just tired of losing with the Steelers. And they, he stayed, obviously, they eventually got great draft picks. 
that paid off for them and became this dynasty. And I think that was the best defense I ever saw. Uh, the Raiders would always be entertaining. You got Al Davis against the league, that would be great. But if I had the Snake Stabler, Ted Hendricks, Jack Tatum, Howie Long, Matt Millen, John Matuzak, Gene Upsaw, Lester Hayes, Cliff Branch, Mike Haynes, Fred Bolitnikoff, I'm good with that. That's a good place to start. Um, you know, they, they won a Super Bowl as a wild card team. First team to do that. The Niners in the 80s, I don't, I guess it would be interesting when Steve Young came there. You know, he had Montana and Clark, Freddie Solomon, Roger Craig. I don't know if you had real characters there. I, you know, you bring in Jerry Rice. I, I would love to know if you were able to see Bill Walsh in action behind the scenes in what his genius was in, in how he was designing the West Coast offense. But, you know, George Seifert came in and he was not exciting. In Montana, you know, maybe we would get a better indication of Joe as a quarterback. I mean, he's, he's low key. He's chill. The Packers, Packers of the 60s, it feels like we've done that. I think NFL Films has done things on the Packers of the 60s with uh, Lombardi and all of those Hall of Fame players, Paul Horning getting suspended for gambling. That, that would be interesting. Um, Jimmy in Chicago. Hey, Jimmy, welcome back. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan, good morning. Good morning. I uh, just wanted to share, uh, ask you, uh, what, what are the, which of the major sports are you looking forward to starting to getting back to starting again? For me, it's the NBA to finish the season. Um, and I've played fantasy basketball since like 2003 and I've lost every year and I want to finish that season and hopefully win for the first time. Um, and then I also want to ask you, uh, what uh, like what experience are you looking forward to getting back to as far as like for me, it's going to the movie theater. Like I miss that the most. And for your last guest, your last show, you got to have Jordan. Thanks. All right. Well, we'll work on that. Todd, I just signed a five year contract to continue okay. to do this. So you've got about four years and nine months. Seems like a reasonable period of time. I mean, that for one guest, right? I mean, that's, that's think. as much leeway that that for a guess is I've ever given you. You got no doubt. You got four and a half years to come up with no Michael excuses. Nope, no, not excuses. at all. If you don't come up with him, then you're fired. Oh, I didn't know about that little dent to be just added, but we're going to well, go no, the, for it. The, the show would be over, Todd. It wouldn't matter. Oh, there you go. You could stay with. I was me. a little slow on that one. Yeah, you would be fired. I was already obsessing about trying to come no, through and figure God. out how we're going to get. Now I'm my... now I ruined you. I'm I a love mess. What, you would always go. Oh, you ruined my weekend. You know when you bring up things and then I would think about that all weekend long. And it's a holiday weekend coming up, so I know I have a th three-day ruined weekend trying to figure out how I'm going to get Jordan to come on. Wait, I thought we were working on Monday. Oh, I wasn't. Did I? Am I speaking out of school? I don't know. I don't know. Paulie and I were planning on coming in on Monday. Wow. I don't know about the rest of you guys. McLovin, what are you doing on Monday? Monday, I nothing. Oh. Because I would have barbecues, but this is news <laughs> to me. Wait, what? Are you guys messing with Todd? Don't lump me into the Todd camp. <laughs> Todd. Todd. Uh, LeBron James talks about using football training to get ready for an NBA season. We'll uh, hear from LeBron when we return here on the Dan Patrick Show.
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. LeBron James was on uh, WRTS After Party podcast. I apologize if I don't know what those initials stand for. Does uh, anybody know what WRTS is? McLovin, you you have any idea this uh, podcast here? No, I'll look it up right now. I'm okay. not sure exactly. Yeah, I just want to be fair to uh, LeBron here and uh, company. LeBron was asked about playing football. Now, he played football in high school, and uh, he had this to say about the 2011 lockout. Recently, Coach Doc Rivers said uh, that he believes you could have been potentially the best football player to ever play the game. Was football ever even a th- thought for you during that year? It, it, you know what, to be honest, PR, it, it actually was. Um, wow. I had no idea how long the lockout was going to be. And, and myself and my trainer, my man, Sears, we, we really started to started to actually train to be a football player. You know, never um, having the ability to finish my high school career of playing like my senior year. I have dreams all the time about playing football. Did you get the call from Bron saying, hey, I might want to do this? <laughs> I did not, but I know he got a contract from Jerry Jones uh, that he framed and put in his office. Now, that's Maverick Carter, who is LeBron's uh, business partner. Uh, Paul Rivera was the host there asking the question. But LeBron training to play football. And when he played in uh, uh, Canton, Akron, he played high school football there. And uh, he was he was same size height wise now he wasn't weighing you know 270 pounds but still he was this great athlete and you know living in cincinnati you know it's three hours away but you heard about lebron james everybody knew about lebron james and the first i heard was that he was a great football player and all state uh what is it we run this station uninterrupted is the name yeah, of the, podcast. the uninterrupted the site that i think is associated with lebron uh his i think that's his sports website so it's a podcast with that uh outlet oh okay all right just want to make sure i gave them uh, credit there but he was preparing to play football and it, you know i i've asked this question before with uh football players when i say who would have been a good football player who plays basketball because i said would Shaq be a good football player and it's almost unanimous where people say no he wouldn't be because your height is a disadvantage when you're that big and if Shaq's playing nose tackle now I'd love to see Shaq play nose I just love to see him in a uniform if you could get pads and a helmet to fit him that to me would be awesome but if I put LeBron at tight end that wouldn't be fair now I know Michael would have been a better football player yeah I know probably so he's better than than then LeBron did everything. <laughs> what kind of football player do you think LeBron would be? What do you think Michael would be? I have no idea. But uh, two sport athletes. Would LeBron be better at, would he be good enough at football that he, well, see, Bo Jackson was, Bo didn't play long enough. But Bo was playing baseball and football at the same time and at Auburn. And, and Bo, Bo was a good baseball player. He had great power. I, he didn't have good average, but he had great athleticism. And, uh, you know, obviously a great running back. And Dion was a great defensive back, but he was a, 
He was a better than average baseball player. He had some talent there. But LeBron, if LeBron played football, is LeBron going to be a star? Probably so. If, if he just concentrated to play football, probably so. I remember, um, I think I asked Michael Vick this. I said, how would Allen Iverson have been? And he said, he would have been great because I think Iverson was considered a better football player than basketball player uh, when he was coming up Virginia Beach. And Iverson was a wonderful quarterback. Now you look at him, not he's slight, but you know he would have been maybe Michael Vick-like. Yeah, Paul. You know, Deion Sanders, he was a part-time baseball player for the for nine different seasons. He mm. had a stretch, though, when he turned about 24 years old. He hit 304, 276, 283, 288, 277. Yeah. He was an above-average baseball player as a part-time player. I always thought Brian Jordan never got enough credit because he played football, and he was a good baseball player as well for uh, the Atlanta Braves. I think St. Louis Cardinals as well. But, uh, yeah, we look at these two sport athletes, and it always feels like Jim Thorpe was different. Um, Jackie Robinson, to me, is the greatest athlete ever because he was not a two-sport star. He could have been a four-sport star with basketball, baseball, football, and track and field. He did all of those when he was in college. But, uh, you know, Dion with what he was doing, where he'd take the helicopter over to the Braves game. <laughs> Man, that was crazy times back then. Crazy. Uh, let me see a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Nate in Texas. Hi, Nate. What do you have for me? Hey, Dan, 5'9", uh, 175. Right. Um, no, I would love to see a documentary of the Cowboys of the 90s. Like you were saying, you could start it with – uh, the firing of Tom Landry, then yeah. bringing in Jimmy, and then uh, the Herschel Walker trade. You have that as well. I mean, I would be fascinated by that. Love the show. Thank you. Thank you, Nate. And once again, I don't know if people have done this. You know, I'm just speaking off the top of my head of, of documentaries that might be interesting. Anthony in California. Hi, Ant. Morning, Dan. Good morning. So, uh, yeah, five seven one fifty five. And I think a good football documentary would be the year the Raiders traded John Gruden to Tampa Bay. <laughs> and then he comes back and haunts them in the Super Bowl. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, I think there are a lot of different ideas. It's can you get the principals to talk about this? That's the key. Because when you get that access, that's when you get the magic. If it's somebody else talking about it, it's different. It doesn't feel as real. Mike Florio is going to join us on loan from Pro Football Talk. More phone calls coming up as well. Two hours in the books. One more to go here on the Dan Patrick Show.